0: Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Habit Podcast. I am your host, the covered in gunpowder, Alistair Hagen, because I just came from the range like an hour ago on my way back. I got a smoothie. Yeah, so right now I'm let's just say your boy is not the cleanest he's ever been in his life right now. Um, cracked my phone at the gun range because a random shell casing flew into the screen and cracked it. Still can't believe this shit happened, man. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Anyway, onto the onto what we're talking about today. Um, our regularly scheduled program, so to speak. Today, our drink of choice is a, a some kind of smoothie from what did I? What I literally just ordered this, and I don't remember what it is. Hold on, hold on. I got it in the app, the lemon twist strawberry smoothie with extra strawberry. Um. Very good. I got stevia in it instead of the other thing that they put in there. Um, no, much healthier drink than alcohol or whatever, right? Mm, delicious. But today we're going to talk about something a little bit more cryptic, a little bit darker, a little bit more mysterious. We're going to talk about analog horror. And um, all of its like basically analog horror and internet based horror and stuff like that. Stuff like Pet Scop, um, the FNAF tapes, VHS tapes, um stuff like that. Because th- those. <laughs> oh man. Those videos are the few things that. The few videos that can genuinely like unnerve me. Because usually, as the saying goes, for me. Video games are the only way to really scare me in terms of uh, media. Because movies and TV shows just don't scare me, dude. They just don't. I usually end up laughing at it instead of getting immersed. Oh, excuse me. Like, one scene from the movie The Conjuring that everyone always talks about is the scariest part of the movie. One of the scariest moments in the movie. The part where um the ghost girl is, like, on top of the wardrobe. And she, like like she's like just like up there like a gremlin or something everyone talks about how scary that part is but for me i laughed i thought it was hilarious because of the the face she made and like the over-the-top sound effects like dude horror is horror is just one of the most misunderstood genres there is because for me horror, good horror to me is psychological and it I guess in the new the new age of horror there's quote unquote horror and then there's dread. Dread is real horror. That is the stuff that keeps me up at night. Dread is that feeling you get when you're just like unable to sit in a room by yourself any longer because of what you just witnessed. A good example being uh, let's go through the FNAF tapes first. Uh, one of them just really unnerved me I don't know if I should go Scrimpus McGrimpus or uh, Baddington because Baddington remade a lot of them except something happened recently we're not going to get into it something happened recently where he's no longer they are no longer going to be making remakes of the FNAF tapes um, but uh, which one was it which one was it the Fazbear Entertainment video manual. That tape. There's some. There's something about that tape that is really unnerving. And I'm not gonna give you a blow-by-blow. I recommend watching the entire series is finished. So I recommend watching the videos because they're they're genuinely like really unnerving. Right. Hmm. Oh, that's good. But the first episode is the 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 uh, instruction manual like video. And there's a part, like, in case you're unaware of the lore of FNAF, is that there was a serial killer that, like, was, like, kidnapping kids in this pizza pizzeria that's kind of like Chuck E. Cheese. Call it Freddy Fazbear Pizza. And, like, he was kidnapping kids and stuffing them inside of animatronic suits so that they would get churned into, like, meat and nastiness. Like, literally, like... Because they were stuffed inside of these suits, the the metal wiring and exo endoskeleton inside will like just churn up whoever gets stuffed inside of them. Absolutely nuts, right? So in this video, it's like the way it's presented, it's like a old like eighties VHS or something like that. Um, oh, excuse me, and it's explaining how you take apart the animatronic and stuff. And at one point, there's this part where like they take Freddy's torso off. And there's just a big black sensor bar now if you look uh, like around the the edges of the sensor bar you can see like blood on freddy fazbear's like body the inference being is that there is a dead kid behind that sensor bar and it it, and the worst part is that it's not really graphic it's not graphic it's but the dread is there because it leaves your mind wondering what the hell is that behind that sensor bar dude right and that's what that's that was one of the things that um left an overwhelming sense of dread for me and it's one of the most memorable moments in the VHS tapes and then baddington does his own version where he takes uh he takes a few of them and puts them together uh the pirate what do you call it pirate pre pirate cove pre-show or something like that is what it's called um. Yeah, the Pirate Cove pre-show Is what his his version is called And it's a combination of several of them But it takes that same idea And puts it in there And it does it in a really unnerving way And it's just Oh man, it's such good horror It's it's absolute horror It's, it's good, it's good, you need to watch it And a lot of it relies on Like I said before Your brain making up things That, you know you have little information of. Um, such as that sensor bar where it's like, I don't know what behind, what's behind that sensor bar. And your brain is just making up things in order to make it like try to figure out what it is. But because it can't figure out what it is, you just start getting more and more uneasy about it. But Battington's also does this. Uh, well, it's not really his or their original idea, but in the Pirate Cove pre-show, there's a part where just like in the original version there's a part where this the screen gets covered by this box that says hey you're not supposed to be watching this basically it says viewing of this tape is prohibited as this text-to-speech dude is just loud as hell and that's another part that really helps solidify the horror and the dread of this series is that you get this overwhelming sense that you are watching something you're not supposed to be watching. The Mandela catalog does this as well, where you just get this uh, this overwhelming sense that you shouldn't be looking at what you're looking at. There's something forbidden about what you're looking at. Local 58 was also is also another analog horror series that does this, um, and it plays upon... I'm just, I know I'm jumping from point to point, but it, the analog horror and internet horror ge- in general is just really fascinating to me. Um, because it feels real. It's, it's this very visceral, like, fourth wall breaking horror that genuinely leaves me unnerved. Like, for example, in, um, yeah, Mandela Catalog, which is specifically an analog horror, um, uh, there's, these, there's this concept known as alternates, right? Alternates are these beings that can behave human-like, but they don't understand exactly what it means to be human. So they have a tendency to morph into these things that look human, but they don't quite... They, they don't pass the smell test, if you catch what I'm saying. They behave and act in very uncanny ways. They look very strange. But they're trying their best to be human. And there's just some really just spooky shit where um, one of the alternates is in a character's home and their, ha- their, their voice is skipping like a CD, like like a scratched CD. It's absolutely unnerving. And then there's like this aspect to it where you're like watching instructional videos, informational videos and stuff and and throughout the video it feel it seems as though an alternate is interfering with the video making it making it say really screwed up stuff and um giving you false information and it makes you feel like you're unsafe it makes you feel like this could be real because some government agency made some instructional video on how to stop the alternates and stuff and then local 58 also does this thing where they use the actual emergency broadcasting system. Now, if you're not from the U.S., you don't know what this is. But the emergency broadcasting system is the system that plays a series of tones over um, over broadcast, basically, that interrupts like every everything that's live on TV. Right? It is one of the most how do I put this? The pucker factor is real on that thing. Okay. When you hear the, the tone that the emergency broadcasting system makes, you don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying, right? So local 58 uses that to really like up the not only up the realism factor, but play on something that really unnerves you. It's, it, it's one of the most universally unnerving things in our society in America. The emergency broadcasting system. Not a single person I know is okay with just listening to that. On top of the fact that they... Another thing that they do... And now we're jumping to Local 58. Another thing that Local 58 does is that... They they give you these very vague instructions on how to stay safe from this very ambiguous threat... They don't tell you why doing these things will keep you safe. They don't tell you what you're being kept safe from. They tell you to do very vague things such as close all the doors, close all the windows, cover the windows, don't look in mirrors, and stay away from the walls and stuff, right? And it's like, but why? They never tell you. That's, that's one of the most unnerving things about it. Is that they never tell you why you shouldn't do this. They just tell you not to do it. In fun fact, for Blur Havoc 3, I kind of did some analysis on this stuff. And that's why I can articulate precisely what it is that causes this um, unnerving feeling. Is because I had to analyze this in order to get the same feeling for some aspects of Blur Havoc 3. So let's, uh, oops. Let's see if we can find a page that really brings up the um oh, see, I'm on TV tropes, right? And there's an analog horror uh, page. And one of the first tropes is Ambiguous situation. Many circumstances surrounding the footage is kept vague. They don't tell you exactly what you're supposed to be afraid of or what you're supposed to be like running away from or protecting yourself from. They don't tell you, they just tell you how to avoid something happening to you and it's really freaky. What else? Um yep, emergency broadcasting. Um Yeah, so so why why are we talking about this is because um it's it's interesting how movies have a tendency to just not get this right. They have a tendency to not like be scary, dude. Like we was talking about Candy Man and was that the the episode before last. We're talking about Candy Man and how not that mo- I didn't even mention that it was supposed to be like a horror movie. Like is candy it was Candy Man supposed to be a horror movie? It's a slasher film it's a, jo- a slasher film is a genre of horror movies and candyman was not scary at all and, and that's in and, uh, well candyman is considered the 2021 version is considered this new subsect of horror called woke horror as a matter of fact I believe they've uh they've finally made that like an actual term woke horror. And one of the first woke horror movies was Get Out from, I believe that was 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2017. Um, and Get Out wasn't scary either. It was one of those things where, like, the imagery and the situations made you uncomfortable. But that was about it. And for me, a lot of the moments were funny. Like, the, the scene where the dude is just running towards the main character, I thought that was hilarious. And he just books a right turn. (laughs) That was hilarious. I didn't even see um, Us. I didn't even see Us. I don't know what it's about. Um, And then there was another movie called Nope that's coming out this year. None of these are movies that really made me scared, to be honest. Yeah, they put Candyman as a woke horror movie. Oh, excuse me. But none of these none of these movies that come out these days are scary. But analog horror is terrifying to me. So now let's look at the other side of the coin. Why are modern day movies not scary anymore? Because when I was a kid, things that scared me were like simple stuff, like um, the um, one example is a Predator. When, I don't know why this was so terrifying to me, because literally the rest of the movie wasn't really terrifying to me, but it wasn't really scary to me, which technically, I believe Predator is considered a horror movie. I believe Predator is technically considered a horror movie. Oh, it's just a science fiction action film, surprisingly. I thought it would be kind of considered a horror movie, but eh. Action movie, but yeah, so the part l- let me get back to it. The part that really freaked me out when I was a kid was the part when the Predator is de- defeated and he activates his self destruct uh bomb. And like, as uh, Arnold's character is running away, like the Predator starts like laughing and he's like his alien laugh, and it's like, okay, that's normal. And then like he just turns into a full on regular dude laugh, it's just a regular person laughing, bro. And it freaked me out when I was a kid. Oh my goodness. I would run out. I, I remember I'd be at my grandparents' house. And whenever that scene came out, I'd run away. Because it was terrifying. Another example of, some, of, of something I saw when I was a kid that terrified me. Was that episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. With the Black Puddle Queen. Oh my goodness. The part where the Black Puddle Queen transforms. Literally freaked me out so badly that whenever I saw just the title card, I would turn the TV off. Not even change the channel, I'd turn the TV off. And I'd go do something else for like 30 minutes just to make sure that that episode was done. I'm serious. I'm so serious. Now, I get that I was a stupid kid um, at that age, but we have to understand that, you know, there's, there's some... There's some element to what I was terrified of that is missing in modern day horror movies. And I believe what it is is that element of familiarity. I believe seeing something familiar be perverted in a way that it shouldn't be. Such as with uh, the example of Predator. Where this alien, the context of this alien um, activating his self destruct feature, um, you expect the alien to have an alien laugh, but then he just starts laughing like a regular dude. There's something freaky about that. To this day, it's still pretty freaky. Um, and then the element of Courage the Callie Dog is that this, in universe, she's considered attractive. This woman, the woman that's considered attractive in universe turns into like this monster person is freaky, especially because at that age, I was very confused about girls. (laughs) I was still when I saw the episode, I was still in the girls have cooties phase. So seeing that absolutely terrified me Um, and made me a little weary around all the women in my life. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But yeah, that's the general gist of it. Is that there's a an element of familiarity that's missing with a lot of this horror, um, and I believe it, it's just it's just a matter of in modern horror, they just have a tendency to say, "Hey, what weird thing can we put on the screen and try to be scary?" Right. And and the the thing is that like you can see, you could see how some of this stuff could be scary it just ends up not being scary for some reason maybe because it's always done in the most trite and like expected and cliche way possible where it's like oh the camera pans to the right oh he's not there that means when the camera pans back to the left it's gonna be there it happens in almost every horror movie now and and i think now they're doing this thing where they pan to the right he's not there they pan to the left he's not there And then they pan back to the right. He's there that time. Oh, man. It's, it's. Let's just put it this way. The horror genre is down bad right now. Even in video games, video games don't really scare me like that anymore. I'm not talking about like Five Nights at Freddy's like jump scare kind of horror. horror, That's not scary to me. That's just frustrating. Because the the jump scares in Sister Location are just painful they're not scary they just make my head hurt um like with resident evil 8 they said they toned down the horror because people wouldn't finish the first they couldn't finish resident evil 7 because of how scary it was it's like that's kind of the point you know for it to be scary and resident evil 8 is not scary at all like period Like, yeah, the odd jump scare will get me or something like that. But it's not really scary. It's like a super action-packed video game. Only the controls are clunky. That's about it. The scariest Resident Evil for me will always be Resident Evil 2. It will always be the scariest one for me. That dreadful feeling of not knowing what's around the core, corner on top of the fact that the controls are very unfamiliar. You can get the controls, you can get used to the controls and learn how to use them very well. But that overwhelming sense of dread and the fact that the camera angles were always fixed so you couldn't see what was around the corner. Absolutely peak survival horror. Now it's a very odd argument to say, oh, the, uh, oh God, excuse me. Well, it's a very odd argument to say, oh, you know, the controls suck. That's why it's freaking scary, bro. I get it. That's not a very good argument. But that's kind of the point. (laughs) Unfortunately, I recognize it's a really stupid argument, but that's kind of the point is that the, the controls are not great. And that's what causes the tension to be really high because you feel like. In a situation where you need to fight back or run away, you won't be able to do it because you don't know the controls very well. Like, Resident Evil and Silent Hill were all about that. The controls weren't that great. They didn't control... Excuse me? Phone? Get the fuck out of here. That was kind of the, the thing, though. Because, because let's see here. When did When did... Oops. When did Crash Bandicoot come out, right? When did that come out? Crash Bandicoot came out in 1996, right? Alright, so check this out, check this out, check this out. Resident Evil. Okay, Resident Evil. The first one came out in 1996. Oh, it came out before? Interesting. Okay, so Resident Evil 1 came out before Crash Bandicoot, right? C- Resident Evil 2 came out in 1998. Two whole years after Crash Bandicoot, right? They could have easily switched to Crash Bandicoot-style controls where, like, when you push the the, the analog stick in that direction, you just go in that direction, Instead, they kept the clunky controls from Resident Evil 1 because it heightens the tension. And Silent Hill, bro, Silent Hill doesn't even have an excuse. Silent Hill doesn't have an excuse. Silent Hill came out in 1999. Bro. Bro. No. You don't have an excuse. Because Super Mario, Super Mario 64... When that come out, 1996, Silent Hill has no excuse, and Resident Evil was just like they could have easily changed it to a more palatable controls game, and they just didn't. And somehow Resident Evil Four managed to revolutionize how we play third-person shooters, but I don't know, I don't know. They kept the clunky like, like they kept the clunky controls where you can't move and shoot at the same time. They kept them all the way up to Resident Evil Six. Resident Evil 6 was the first Resident Evil game or one of the first mainline series games where you could move and shoot at the same time Literally for ten years you were unable to move and shoot at the same time Actually more than that because when did Resident Evil 5 come out? I think it came out in like 2010 2009 yeah for like 15 years almost 15 years a little over 15 years. Um you literally couldn't move or sh- move and shoot at the same time in Resident Evil. It was a choice, a deliberate design choice because it racked it racked up the tension and made it so that you had to you had to plant yourself where you were in order to defend yourself. And it really like preyed on your fight and flight response, you know? But Resident Evil 2, like I said, Resident Evil 2 will always be the scariest Resident Evil. Silent Hill was so scary, I never finished it. I never finished Silent Hill. It was just way too intense for me. It was terrifying. Like, um, I got to the part where you go to the school, and then you go to, like, the evil version of the school. And, like, I just remembered this part where, like, a, a monster came out of, like, a locker or something. And I just stopped playing. I didn't play anymore. I couldn't. It, it overwhelmed me it was too intense which reminds me in terms of intensity um, there's a developer a, a single person developer named puppet combo where they have a tendency to do this they have a tendency to whenever something scary happens they just turn the volume all the way up and just start assaulting you with all these sounds the biggest um the biggest offender of this being nun massacre this game where you you have to save your your child from like a a nun school or whatever i don't know what that thing is called and whenever the nun shows up just all these loud noises just start happening and it's less about and at that point it's less about being scary and more about startling you and making you making it so that you can't even react to what's happening Like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are actually genuinely terrifying about puppet combo games. But, loud noises is not one of them. In terms of indie horror games, I'd say the market is oversaturated with games that confuse loud noises with being scary. Like, one game that got the dread right was scp containment breach the dread in that game is palpable because it sets it up so perfectly perfectly where you have to there's this scp this entity we'll just call them an entity i don't feel like going through the lore this entity that at least three people need to be looking at it at all times and whenever someone blinks they have to tell everyone else so that Like everyone isn't blinking at the same time because if everyone blinks at the same time this thing is able to move and it can snap your neck instantly. So in the prologue this thing somehow manages to get free snaps the neck of the other two the necks of the other two people that were in your party and escapes. So now this entire game you have this thing that is lurking in this facility that if you blink... When it's in the, sa- in the same room as you, it's going to snap your neck. And, th- and that's what makes it rather scary. Instead of it being about loud noises and stuff. Because there are jump scare noises, you know. There's jump scare noises that let you know. Hey, this thing that you're scared of, you know, it's right here. You know, stuff like that. But that dread is palpable because it's like, I have to watch. I have to make sure. That this meter in the corner that makes me blink, I have to make sure that it doesn't go empty when that thing is in the same room as me. While in puppet combo games, the most likely thing you're going to have to do is just run. There's no strategy behind it. It's just, oh shit, this thing is after me. I have to run now. That's it. Except for in murder house, you actually get weapons and you can defend yourself. But for the most part, most... Most, um most of these puppet combo games are just runaway runaway you have no ability to defend yourself um and it's a shame because i do love the aesthetic it does have the perfect aesthetic to be absolutely terrifying to me because it's in that um ps1 era graphic style um but i just don't think they're scary like that i love seeing youtubers react to uh these loud noises and stuff it's funny to me but i don't think the games themselves are scary. but yeah, that's what that's what the modern horror landscape looks like right now. There's a side that gets what's actually scary and a side that thinks they get it but not quite. They had the side and the thing is that the side that thinks they get it, they have the potential to make truly scary things. They have the potential. It's just that they're Their priorities are all mixed up, where they think that scaring the shit out of everybody means making a loud noise and startling everybody in the tri-state area, while the people on the other side, they know that slow burns and making the audience uncomfortable with unsettling imagery is the way to go in order to make a lasting impression. Trust me, there's, oh man, where's that one, there's one video. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. Grimpus McGrimpus made one video that has imagery in it that absolutely rocked me to my core. Um, Which one is it? Animated cartoon. That's the one. That one, animated cartoon, has imagery in it that absolutely like left me awake. <laughs> I could not sleep after I saw that. So, yeah. That's my personal recommendation. Animated cartoon by Scrimpus McGrimpus. Go watch it. But yeah, that's all I got for today. I'm about to go take a shower and go to sleep because I'm tired. So I will see you all in the next video. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh my god, I love strawberry. Ta ta for now. My for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today.